Welcome back to Masechet Chagiga. We're at the bottom of um, Daf Gimel Amid Aleph in the Amid Yomi Shir. This week, I mean, today's Shir is really going to be um, Daf Gimel Amid Bet, but we ended at the bottom of, of Daf Gimel, Gimel Amid Aleph um, at the Odarash, which is, if you're looking at the Gemara, it is. The Odarish is four lines from the top, um, the third to last word on that line. Four lines from the top. The first word on that line is Lahem. The last word on that line is Et. So you could find it easier right there. The Odarish is what we're up to. And uh, so what we so before we were, we were seeing stories of. Uh, um, of Rav Elazar ben Azariah, and so the Gemara is going to say, "Oh, we're already talking about Rav Elazar ben Azariah, so let's talk about him some more." And the Gemara is going to give us some more stories about him and uh, and some more um, and some more uh, um, uh, lessons that he taught. And just to give a context of what was going on before, it was just that Rav Elazar ben Azariah was visiting his Rebbe, was one of his one of his other students. Two students were visiting the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, "What did you teach today?" And the student said, "Oh, we're your students. We can't, we can't teach in front of you." And then the and then the Rebbe nudged them, and then he started giving the Torah. So this is now other things that he said on that day, and um, just remember that because that's going to come up again later. Um, that they were talking to Rabbi Yeshua, and they denied. Um, first, they fought to say no, and then Rabbi Yeshua forced them to forced them to speak, and then he spoke. So that's going to come up later. But anyways, he threw some of the other lessons Rabbi Elazar ben, uh, ben Azaria taught on that day. So it says, "O Darash," and Rabbi Elazar expanded further. At the Hayom, there's a pasuk that says that um, that that Hashem he'emarta, which means praised. It says on. He says, "On this day you have praised Hashem, Hashem hayom, and it is also written that that Hashem pra, um, praised us today." Amar lahem, Hakadosh Baruch Hu leYisrael, God told to Bnei Yisrael, "Atem asituni chativa achad ba'olam." You made me the you made me the subject of a of a aphorism of a line in this world. Um, in the world, so I will make you the subject of a, of a unique praise of an aphorism in the world. Um, the, so you guys made a phrase for me um, that I, you made me a subject of a phrase in this world. For it is written, so. So what does it mean that it's a unique phrase? It's according to Rashi, it's a phrase of uniqueness, meaning that we're claiming that Hashem is special. So when we're saying that we made that we made for Hashem a unique phrase, what it really means is we made a phrase that's that is highlighting Hashem's uniqueness. Which phrase is, is the Gemara referring to? The bright referring to? It's referring to the phrase of Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokinu, Hashem Echad. So we're claiming that God is one. Therefore, God is special and God is unique. So that is the phrase that he's referring to. Um, so therefore, I will make you a, sub- a subject of praise of your uniqueness in this world. Shene Emar, for it is written, Umika Amcha Yisrael Goyachad Ba'aretz. 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 
So, so too, I will also give you a phrase of uniqueness, which is, who is like your people, Israel, who is a unique nation on, the, on earth? And then he also started saying other things. Rabbi Lazar ben Azari started saying other things that he taught. Now he's going to say, a, now he's going to say a, a different verse. He's going to say, so this verse is, Divrei chachamim kedarvanot v'chemasmerot netu'in ba'alei asufod nituni meroe echad. So it says, the words of the wise are like goads. Um, now a goad is, is, was a stick that had a nail at the end of it. And so the shepherd, when the ox is, or the cattle is... Um, is plowing the shepherd would lead the animal by poking the animal so it would go in certain directions so while the animal was plowing it would go in the right way so it says the words of the wise are like goats and like nails well planted um, are the sayings of the masters of the assemblies given from one shepherd now this is a very interesting pasuk, and now Rabbi Lazar ben Azari is going to break down each piece, down from the goad to the nail to the planted to the master of the assemblies to the shepherd. He's going to go to each thing and say why each phrase is necessary and what we learn from it. So, so it says, "Nama nimshilu divrei Torah ledarva." So, why do you compare the divrei Torah to a goad, to a stick that you use to to poke an animal to go in one direction? Um, to teach you that just as a goad directs it, directs the cow along the furrow, along the line that it needs to to plow in order to bring life by the to the world, meaning a cow is planting seeds. So it goes along the furrow and then the seeds are falling. So so just like the goad directs the cow in the right direction so the cow could bring life that plants into the world. So too the, the Torah, it, it points the, the, the people who learn it in the direction from the direction of death to the direction of life, to the paths of life. If the words of the Torah are likened to the goad, one might think that that just like a goad is movable, meaning just like the goad, like it's 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 a movable item. It's a thing that the, that the, you that the, somebody holds and moves and uses. So, so if you, so if it only used the word goat, then one might think that the Torah is also um, is also movable. Talmud Lomer Masmerot. So too the so too the pasuk has to use the word nails to teach that the nails are it's stuck in. So that's why it has to use the word nails. It's not something that um, that it wavers like the stick. The nail is stuck in the stick. So it says the imam masmer chaser lo yater. But if it only uses the word nail, then you might think that when you put a nail in a wall, what happens to the wall? It makes a hole. So, the, so it says if you only use the word nail, the nail just diminishes an item. It, it doesn't increase it. It creates a hole. It doesn't create anything. It doesn't. So it makes a. It makes it make it creates a hole. But it doesn't make it doesn't add anything. It only detracts from the wall by 
making a hole. The hole is a detraction. So to af the Torah So too, one might think that 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 the Torah it diminishes and it doesn't increase. It creates holes. It doesn't increase anything. So then, that's why the Torah need. That's why the pasuk needed the word netuim. Talmud lomar netuim. That's why this. So that's that's why the Torah needed the word netuim, which means well planted. So to teach us. Um, just as this plant is fruitful and multiplies, the plant that the that the cow is planting, so too the words of Torah also are fruitful and multiply, meaning they add their their additional forces. They don't detract. So now the so now Rav Lazar is going to talk about it even more. It says Bale Asufot, the master of assemblies. Why does it say master of assemblies in this pasuk? So Elu Talmudei Chachamim Sheoshrim and Asufot Asufot VeOskim B'Torah. He says there are wise scholars who are sitting in groups and groups and they're talking about Torah. Halul Metamid VeHalul Metairin. There's some people who are they're having machloket. They're arguing whether something is pure and something is impure. Um, or the Halulu. Osrin Vahulumatirin, there are people there in other groups of people who are arguing that this is that things are allowed and things are not allowed. There are people who are they're arguing whether something is disqualified or whether something is declared fit. A person might say, I'm hearing all of these 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 debates about Torah. How can I learn a clear and precise way? And there's there's no there's no clear there's no consensus. There's no agreed upon opinion. As you know, Jews like to complain. Every item is complained about. So how could somebody approach learning Torah if everything is is argued over? I mean, not complain. The Jews disagree. We complain too. But I'm saying Jews disagree about everything. They say that if you put two Jews in a room, you'll have a disagreement of three opinions. So like Jews complain, Jews disagree a lot. Um, so how can somebody approach learning Torah when there's no broad consensus? There's arguments, there's groups saying things are allowed, things are not allowed, things are pure, things are impure, etc., etc. Talmud Lomar, Kulam Nitnu Meroe Echad. That's why the Pusik had to include that all of that all of all of it is given by one shepherd. El Echad Natnan. One God gave us all of the Torah. Parnes Echad Amran Mepi Adon Kolhamaasim Baruchu. One leader proclaimed them from the mouth of the master of all matters. Blessed is he. So one God said all of it. As it is written that God spoke all of these words. Af Ataasa Oznecha Keafar Keset. Hence, you need to make your 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 ears like a mefarkeset. And I was a mefarkeset. The mefarkeset was an item. It was like a funnel that you would put the wheat in, and then you put a lot of wheat in, but only few will come out at a time to get into the grinder to start making flour. It's called a mail hopper in English. So. So too, just like a mefarkeset, a lot of things come in, but a few comes out. So you should make your ear like a filter, so to speak. Like a mefarkeset, like a filter. And where are we? 
and make for yourself a, a discerning and understanding heart. To hear the opinions of those who say that something is pure, and to hear the opinions of those who say that it's that it's impure. To hear the opinions of those who say that something is usher, to say it's not allowed, and to hear the opinions of people who say that something's are allowed. To, to to hear the opinions of those who who disqualify something, and to hear the opinions of those who declare it fit, and to hear all these opinions and to understand and to filter them and to grasp all the information. So you need to get these things for yourself in order to be able to approach Torah and truly understand it. So, so just to recap here. So that's why it said one assembly. It's all one. It's, that's why it says the word master of assemblies. Because all these, all, even though there's assembly of a lot of people making a lot of different discussions, you need to, we learn from that, that you need to be able to discern for yourself and really have an understanding heart and a filtering ear to understand the Torah. So then the bride talk continues. So now back to the original story where Rabbi Shua is listening to all these all this beautiful Torah. And so in this language, this specific word, Rabbi Yoshua said to Rabbi Yochanan ben, Bar uh, ben Baroka and Rabbi Lazar ben Chisma. Uh, in these words, uh, he wrote, Ein dor yatom, ben It is there is no orphaned generation that Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria dwells within, meaning that no matter what, no matter there's the, the the generation is not left alone. There is a great Torah scholar in this generation, which is Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria. So now the Gemara asks a specific question about this story, which is Let them tell the teaching. Why did they? Why didn't they tell the teaching of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah immediately to Rabbi Yoshua? Why did they say, "Oh, we're your students; we shouldn't say anything"? So then the Gemara answers, "Mishum because there was a story that happened. The Tanya, because it was Tanya Brita. So now we're going to say another story. ben Durmaskit. There's a story with Rabbi Yossi, um, the son of Durmaskit. who went to visit Rabbi Eliezer and Lod Amar Lo, and Rabbi Eliezer said to them." What chidushim did you learn in the Beit Midrash Hayom, in the Beit Midrash today? What new things did you learn? Amar lo nimnu vegamru. So then Rabbi Yossi said to his teacher, he said, they voted today and they decided. Amon umoav ma'asrin ma'aser ma'aser ani b'shvi'it. That this that the in the areas of Ammon, in the areas of Moab, that that um, that they have to give that they have to give their tithes, they have to give their shemitah on, um, they have to give their maser on the seventh years. So then Amar Lo, Eliezer replied to him. Yosi, stretch out your hands and darken your eyes. 
I don't want to point to my eyes because what that really means. So the Gemara says, Rashi says that at that moment, um, he's saying, blind yourself. He's saying, put out your hands and beg and blind yourself. Just want to confirm. So he cursed, he, cur he cursed his son with, I mean, his student with blindness. Pashet et yadav v'kibel enav. So Rav Yossi obediently stretched out his hands and became blind. He accepted the curse. Bachar Rabbi Eliezer ve'amar Rabbi Eliezer cried and said, The secret of Hashem is to those who fear Him and the, and the covenant to inform them. Hashem lire'av the secret of Hashem is to those who fear Him, and this covenant is to inform, is to teach the people who fear Him. Amar lo, Rabbi Eliezer said to him, Lech emor lahem, al tachushu leminyanechem. He says, go and tell the people in the baby Josh, don't worry about your voting. Kach mekabluni mekublani Ben um, I have already received this Torah from from Yav Yochanan Ben Zakai. Shishama Merabo heard it from his teacher. Virabo Merabo and his teacher heard it from his teacher. Hilchatela Moshe Misinai. It is the halacha that it is a legal tradition that was given from Moshe at Har Sinai. Amon Umoav Maserin Maser Ani Mishviit. That Ammon and Moab give the tithes to the poor. They give their master to Anim on the seventh year. Matam. Now the Gemara is going to go into the into the into a little tangent to discuss the the halachic ruling of them giving of this of the of the places of Ammon and Moab who give the tithes. It says Matam. What's the reason that the that the lands of Ammon and Moab are exempt from the laws of Shemitah during the seventh year? Why does this need to have to be discussed? Harbe, so then the answer is Harbe um, Krakim Kavshu Ole Mitzrayim. There's many cities that they that the people who were of the Israel when they were going from Egypt into into Israel they conquered and they and they sanctified below Kavshu Ole Bavel and then Bnei Israel was kicked out and then when Bnei Israel was finally able to go back into into Israel the 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 Jews who were coming up from Bavel did not conquer and sanctify these people for this time. I mean, sanctify these cities this time. Because the initial sanctification for Eretz, uh, of Eretz Israel during the first uh, during the first time we came up was only for when we were there, but when we were kicked out, it wasn't permanent. It was the sanctification of these cities were only temporary. So since the sanctification wasn't was temporary, some people thought that you don't have to give the tithes during um, on the seventh year because it wasn't sanctified. So so the so the people when they were coming up the second time from Bavel, they left these areas alone. They didn't re-sanctify them so that the poor can have lands to rely on during the during the years of Shemitah that has that has produce so the poor can eat. Because you can't pour because you can't 
plant anything in restricted areas, and I mean in sanctified areas. So they left certain areas unsanctified. So now the Gemara um, says the end of the story of Rav Yossi, where Rav Yossi is blinded by his teacher by the curse. Satana, Atana Tenebraita, the Acher Shenit Yashva Dato. After Rav Eliezer's mind became calm, Amar, he said, Let it be the will of Hashem that Rav Yossi will, will, will regain his sight, the Chazru, and his sight was returned. So, though in a fit of anger, Rav Eliezer cursed Rav Yossi to lose his sight. Um, after he calmed down, he prayed to Kaddish Baruch Hu, and Rav Yossi's sight was returned. A happy ending, so to speak. So then the Mishnah now is going to talk about the is going to talk about the next person on the list, which is the deranged person, a person who's crazy. So the the Rabbi Sadnabrita, Ezehu Shote, what's considered a crazy person, a deranged person? Somebody who goes out alone at night. Vehalan beveta kvarot, somebody who sleeps at a graveyard. Somebody who tears his clothes. So it says, what's a crazy person? A crazy person is somebody who does three things. So Itmar, it was stated, Rav Hununa Amar, so Rav Hununa says, If one person does all three of these things at once, that's what makes him a shote. But if seemingly it sounds that Rav, of, that Rav Huna is saying that if somebody does one of these things, then it's not counted. But if he does all three at once, then he's counted to be a shote. He's counted to be a deranged person. Rav Yochanan Amar, however, Rav Yochanan says, Afilu man. Even if somebody does one thing on this list, then they're considered a shote. Hachidami. What case is the Brita referring to? In what situation are these is this, are these rulings about, applying to? So then the Gemara answers, If a person performed these things in a way that's crazy, even if somebody does one of these things, if somebody in a crazy way, he's deranged and he tears his clothing, then even if he does just that one item, then he should be considered crazy. Why would Rav Huna consider him sane? Because he only, he, you have to do all three. But if you just, in a crazy way, go... And you start tearing your clothing, that's not considered crazy for him just doing that one thing. And on the flip side, if they did these, if somebody did these things in a rational way, then then why would so even if he did all three of them, but there's a rational explanation for doing all three of these things. Then why should he be considered a crazy person? He has rational explanation. So, so it would. So why would Rav Yochanan hold that that, that doing one is is makes you a shote? If somebody does all three, but they're all rational, why would they be considered a crazy person? So the Gemara. So then the Gemara answers these two questions. This question. The Olam Deka Avid Lehu Derech Shtut. So in truth, the Brightest speaks of only where somebody does something in an insane way. Nevertheless, Rav Hanuna holds 
So the good, so the, the Brayta says that it's that that it's if somebody does any of these three in a crazy way, then they're considered a crazy person. But Rav Huna holds that that if somebody sleeps in a in a cemetery. One could say that he's that it is so that an impure spirit would rest upon him. What Rashi says this means is that that a person sleeps in a in a cemetery in order to 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 to, 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 to like gain the spirit of demons, so he will become a, a sorcerer. Which, though that's not a that's not a, a good reason, is that an insane reason? I don't know. Um, And somebody who goes out in the middle of the night, it could be that Amor Gandripas Achade. One could say that it was a fit of lycanthropy that seized him. Now, lycanthropy is, um, it means that somebody's crazy, they go in a fit of, of, of craziness and they, and they think they're an animal. That's, but Rashi says that it could also mean that he just had a fever and he wanted to get cool air outside, and that's why he went out at night by himself. Um, and somebody who tears his clothing, who one could say that he's somebody who meditates, um, who meditates, and he just didn't realize during meditation that he was tearing his clothes. Kavan the of the the of However, once somebody performs all three of them, they are crazy. Their equivalent is to we're we're just gonna say a little bit more and we're gonna finish. I know it's into the next daf. We're gonna there's a convenient stopping point soon. It says It's equivalent to somebody who uh, uh, to a gore, uh, ox that gored an ox, donkey, and camel. Now, in, in uh, for the rules of uh, ox goring, it's that if an ox the first three things it kills that it gores, the owner has to pay um, 50% of the damages. But after the three, it's considered an ox that the owner was warned about. It's likely to kill. And it's called a mu'ad. He has to pay, um, the, 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 the fine is called a mu'ad. And he has to pay 100%. So, the, so the, what he's saying is that like, if somebody does all three, even though they have reasons, if they do all three, it's like a mu'ad, which is the case where, it, uh, it, so it's, it's like a case where an ox kills three things in one sitting, so therefore all three are considered a mu'ad. So even though it's the first three, just like even though all three of these reasons, they have reasons behind them that are not insane. If the ox does all of them at once, then it's considered so we're going to end here now. That um, This was a spot that I found to finish. The Gemara is going to refute the opinion of Ravina. Um, but that's for tomorrow. Chazak Uba